0: Please.
1: Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also, become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. listening and getting completely focused on recordings, you know, and it being an uninterrupted, focused experience. Um, It's something that's been lost for so much of society today. It's just so
0: hard to do is that's kind of what we fine tuned, particularly when you're in a room with uh, Lowell George and, 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 and Jackson Brown and uh, a couple of, really good players, you really have to find your place in that context. And it has way more to do with critical listening than anything else. So that's, that's more of what I teach than anything else is critical listening. What are you hearing? What does it mean? Tell me its shape. Talk about it. Tell me that you're really paying attention to what the conversation is. Tell me what the conversation is in time. And, um, there are a couple guys that, that, a couple producers that really do that well. I, I like Bon Iver. I like, uh, uh, what's his name? Justin, is that his name? Yeah, I love Bon Iver. I think they have some
1: great ideas,
0: really experimental and out on the edge. I like Billie Eilish. I think she makes great records, but they're not for everybody. And um, I don't know how I could possibly be a part of that. I don't know how I could work with uh, Bon Iver and do those dark, dark vocals. I, I I know my limits.
1: What about somebody like Jack White, who's you know really-
0: I know Jack, he's, he's a good guy. We've never been in the studio together, nor would we ever be in the studio. Well, we, we've been in the studio together. I don't engineer for him. But he, that was that, that changeover period where he was able to get Vance Powell for next to nothing because Vance was transitioning away from uh, live sound. And he's actually one of the few guys who's transitioned successfully from live sound. He's a pretty good engineer. Um, but then Jack White doesn't work with him anymore. And I think it's because Vance had his own ideas. Uh, Jack was great. Jack uh, would bring people. He would work next door in Studio D at Blackbird, and I'd be doing something in C. And he'd, uh, he'd bring whoever his latest rock and roll friends were. I'm trying to remember, The Vines or somebody like that. And they'd walk, in, walk into my room and, and uh, he'd introduce me, and they'd kind of take two steps back because I'm the digital guy and they're big analog guys.
1: Um, Who is Steve
0: Steve Albini? The other guy that I have infinite respect for is Steve Albini. Uh, First, because he's so smart and clear about who he is and what he hears. And I like some of the records he makes.
1: Tell me a little bit, George, about the, you mentioned uh, earlier for your mom, Linda Ronstadt, I think it was. Um, that relationship has gone on for, what, decades now, right? I
0: did. I, I was around for 35 years. I wasn't, I didn't do everything. There was that rock and roll period in the 70s where she and Peter Asher and Val Garay made all those hit records. And then I came in in the early 80s and did... Uh, get Closer, uh, but I had already worked for Linda on Keep Me From Blowing Away on Heart Like a Wheel. And uh, so she knew how how comfortable I was with doing bluegrass. And when the opportunity to do the trio record came along, I got the gig as a producer. And the luckiest thing that ever happened to me, working with Dolly and Linda and Emmy. Um it was, it was basically Linda's idea and all I had to do was to listen to these guys and try to make their ideas work. And that was a breakthrough record. The, uh, the trio record changed Nashville. They hated me in Nashville, by the way. When I moved to Nashville, I thought, I thought people would appreciate what I'd done, but no, they hated that I could make that kind of record that was that successful. Because it wasn't a Nashville record at all. It was a California record. Nashville's a funny place.
1: You've kind of, uh, you know, had to overcome sort of being out of your element a little bit in, in different situations. I guess when you mentioned earlier about, you know, your background and moving around a lot and that kind of thing, it sounds like you've had to be kind of adaptable and quick on your feet. I'm um, a safe cracker.
0: Yeah. I, I don't want to leave any fingerprints. I'm, I'm not working to get the next gig. I'm working to discover something new. And that doesn't work for a lot of artists. It didn't work for Maurice after a point. And all those offers that I got after that were to remake an Earth, Wind & Fire record. It was a hit, let's remake it. It'll be a hit for me, 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 me. And, and that's when I run, run away.
1: Was it a thrill for you to hear songs you had engineered on the radio and, and that sort of thing, was that?
0: No, no, because the radio was shitty. Uh, what was great was listening to records that I'd done much later in a studio where I'm using them for references and realizing that they weren't that bad. I pretty much hate everything I do, but uh, later I'd be listening to a record, Little Feet record saying, Hey, this isn't bad. This this was kind of new. I, I haven't heard a lot of people uh, able to copy that. Uh, that that impresses me. Now nah, the radio radio quality was. I mean, after the first couple of times, it got shittier and shittier. Especially now with MP3s on on the internet, it's just god awful. You know, these records have been remastered and recompressed and remastered and fucked with and it's just god awful
1: yeah that must uh, be like you know bamboo into your fingernails to hear some yeah. of that stuff um what are one or two of the vocalists that you've worked with on that list i, I read earlier or maybe someone i didn't mention that just really blew your socks off
0: uh, james taylor uh because of his connection, his great connection with uh, lyric and phrase. Linda, uh, who taught me how to listen to a song, taught me everything worth knowing about about songs. Um, Steve Perry, Journey, when I I did that one, Journey thing. What a great vocalist. And, And still friends, he's a good guy. Uh, Aaron Neville, who is uh, about as close to the heart of uh, performance as you could as you could get, it's just great. Uh, Phil Bailey has gone on to make some really great records, and um, in different contexts, uh, he was always great.
1: Would he have um, to do many takes, George, to get that falsetto just right?
0: Well, I tried to get it in tune. So I was, I was kind of the guy in the control and said, "Listen, could we just try that one more time? Because this, this is out of tune." And uh, if challenged, I, I had a strobe tuner. I could point them to a strobe tuner and say, w- w- "We're, we're, uh, we're, we're not quite there yet." try to sing this in tune, let's see how it works. Uh, but uh, God, he was great. Phil's a great vocalist, Phil Collins, a great vocalist. There have been some other people lately, I've worked with uh, Anne Murray's daughter, Dawn Langstruth, in 2006, 2007, and for this record I tried to do in uh, Blackbird Studio C, I thought we had a great record. And man, we couldn't sell it to save our lives. She is a great vocalist, a great writer, a great arranger and a great singer. And she just couldn't survive the road. Hmm. Happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, the internet's a bit of an equalizer. Now you can come across incredible talent that you might not otherwise find out about, but you know, the recordings aren't always the best, so.
0: I find that the uh, internet now depends in large part on video. That generally, if you have something that's just flashing graphics and a song, people don't spend a lot of time there. Seven seconds, if you really want to know a number, and they're somewhere else. So in the last 15 years, I've been focusing on video. I've reinvented myself as a Video uh, area creator and teacher. I direct uh, opera and symphony orchestra, and uh, here at McGill, and have established the high bar for video quality as well.
1: So, when you first got started in that, was 4K yet a thing?
0: No, no, we had shitty. not even HD, uh, started with a Panasonic camera. And and what I would do in the studio is um, my assistants would set up for a take and they'd put down their clipboard and pick up a camera and have the, the assistants just shoot the music, however they could do it. I had a couple of JVCs and a Panasonic and just built it from there and learned that if you pay attention to the music, you're light years ahead of any music television director out there. Most of them are just awful. 30 feet under the deepest point of the ocean is not a safe enough place to put most of these guys. So they would never creep out and try to direct another video. It just got awful.
1: It It drives me crazy is the hyperactivity on quick cuts uh, when I'm trying to look at somebody who's actually playing an instrument?
0: Absolutely. Oh, the other vocalist uh, who, who was very good on video was Jennifer Warrens. I did a record that I couldn't finish, but I kind of supervised because it, it was done at my studio, called Famous Blue Raincoat, Songs of Leonard Cohen. And a couple cuts on that are, are cuts that I would refer to if you really want to know what I did. And it was a first attempt that I had done at mixing, of changing the arrangement by turning things on and off and re-editing. And, and the two tunes that, uh, that I would point to on that record were Bird on a Wire and Famous Blue Raincoat itself. But Jennifer would get on camera and do The Singer Must Die, which is a Leonard Cohen tune. And it's just one shot. And it's it's like, what's her name, who said uh, nothing compares to you Oh, Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor, who I also think is brilliant. And that one shot of her singing that song and how effective that is, that's made all the difference to how I shoot uh, opera. I really want to capture that performance. We have a great opera director named Patrick Hansen, who is brilliant in staging, great piano player, and uh, gives me enough rope for me to hang myself.
1: What, what was it like uh, working with Frank Sinatra?
0: I never worked with Frank Sinatra. I worked with Phil, so I heard all the stories about working with Frank. But um, we did Linda's tune just from Frank on EdNet. Frank called the part in. And uh, so I feel like I worked with Frank Sinatra because we heard all the Phil Ramon stories Uh, But I didn't actually, I was in the same studio with Frank. Now, Al Schmidt was, and he's got a lot of stories. Phil Ramone, I know I'm talking about a lot of dead guys, but they had a deep appreciation for how to get a record out of Frank, and it was not easy. You've You've heard the Frank Sinatra stories where he'd show up to a session and do a run through and look around and say, get his hat and coat on his way out, say, not today, baby, and gone. You remember the Lorraine Ellison tune, Stay With Me Baby? Remember that big hit, her only hit? (laughs) Stay with me, baby, ooh, won't you stay with me, baby? That's a tune, this is famous story of Frank booking A&R on forty eighth, the original AR studios, and uh big orchestra, big section, and they're gonna do a Frank record. Frank walks in and I'm sorry, he doesn't even walk in. Calls in, says, Not today, baby. And Phil scrambles. They've got this orchestra paid for for six hours and and a rhythm section, calls Jerry Wexler. Says, Jerry, do you have any tunes? And while you're at it, do you have any artists? And they bring Lorraine Ellison. You would recognize this song if you heard it. Stay With Me Baby, Lorraine Ellison. Um, And they wrote the song on the spot and head arranged strings, horns, and band and on Frank Sinatra's dime. Where was Frank? He had flown to the islands to marry. Uh, uh, what's his name? Woody, Woody Allen's.
1: Oh, Mia Farrow,
0: Mia Farrow. So Not today, baby, I got to get married.
1: Was that in the do you remember that in the seven? what year about was that do you think?
0: I remember it as 70s and I'm placing it as early 70s.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? You could do that when you're Frankie. And you I can guess. do that
0: when you're Paul Simon. Paul Simon pulled something like that once. Oh, the other guy I love working with is Randy Newman. And I wish I could work with him more, but he's more movie soundtracks now.
1: Yeah, is he just a, a regular guy, basically?
0: No, none he's, of these artists are regular guys. i, I say those with all kindness and love is there, something brought them to the point where they had to be bigger than themselves and to a- attract support and love and um, respect and all too often a lot of artists were just uh, kids that had been hurt that had difficult childhoods Prince was was really hard to get along with Suzanne Rogers could get a- Susan Rogers could get along with him Didn't get along very well with Prince, but I recognized him as a profound genius and somebody that I'd have to support.
1: You actually actually did get a chance to meet him?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, But um, mainly it was to help him with other engineers, to help him hook up with a gear. Sold him an automation studio for Paisley Park. And... um, but, uh, but it, it was it, he he knew exactly what he wanted, and he didn't want to hear much of what you had to say.
1: Well, we know he is a musical genius and a performing genius and a songwriting Absolutely. genius, but but do you think that he got the most out of his actual recordings in terms of the fidelity and sonics?
0: I think he did. I think it's uh, it's a unique sound that he knew that sound in his head and in his heart. That was in his mind's ear. And he chased that sound until he heard what was in his mind's ear, and that's and nothing would stop him. And that's, uh, I mean, he he, one of the few real geniuses out there, that can do that thing, that can sit at a console and invent himself. Not too many people do that. Little George could do that.
1: Just so prolific prolific attitude just astounding tons of stuff who have uh, to be released if, if you don't mind talking out of school just a little bit um, who who might be the most one or two of the most temperamental uh, artists that you worked with
0: at a distance um, with Paul Simon he's he's tough At the distance because Linda did some overdubs for him, so I was very lightly involved, but really the one great record that I made. uh, With a very temperamental artist was Lyle Lovett's uh, Joshua Judges Ruth. And um, as a producer with uh, Billy Billy Williams. And uh, it was a hard record to make. I had to defend every single thing I said, everything I did. I couldn't move a fader without Lyle saying, "Why'd you do that? What? Would would, why'd you do that?" I said, "Well, I'm I'm mixing." I said, Why? I said, "Well, see, these words are a little low, and, I'm and I already had my automation system, um, which was a really flexible way. And by the way, that was the." Prejudice of modern automation systems, hard disk automation systems was my system. But um, I'd make a, a tiny move and he'd, he'd of, of, of such size that he couldn't possibly have heard it. I just kind of bumped fate, or a fader, 10th of a dB. And he'd want to listen to it before and after, a 10th of a dB move. He couldn't hear it. Uh, but by God, you had to defend uh, why you were doing every little thing you did. But it's a really good record. Stood the test time. It's his biggest selling record. And uh, we don't speak anymore.
1: Wow. I remember I had uh, Preston Glass on. I don't know if you know him, but he's produced some George Benson records. And he talked about how he had to cajole him. And what a perfectionist and, and hands-on guy George Benson was. And how you have to kind of, you know, he's one of those guys that you have to kind of, humor a little bit, you know, and, and make them feel like it's their idea or what they were talking about, even though it may not be.
0: Well, most artists need to understand that you can reflect their ideas. And, it's, it, 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 and it is all about them. It's about the artist. It's about I would I would follow Linda to the ends of her and her ideas to the ends of the earth. Because I'm going to learn something. I'm going to learn how she as a great artist hears something. And you know, we've done We've done hit uh, American Songbook records. We had a hit uh, Afro-Cuban jazz record. Her mariachi records were hits. And um, we did a Baby Lullaby record that wasn't all that successful. But uh, we thought it was good. And did uh, the last record she did was a Jazz Standards record. We did a Christmas record that I thought was great they just still here in grocery stores. <laughs> I think it's recouped, but I haven't gotten any money for it yet. And we did the trio records.
1: What's uh, one or two of the biggest snafus that uh, you experienced in your oh, studio? Oh, there's still time?
0: snafus uh, where you erase something. On I had a second engineer that erased the intro and half the first verse of a Jennifer Warren's master after strings and after... Band and performances, and I, I had to put it back together. Uh, There's snafus all the time. Things things fuck up all the time. What what we spend our time teaching students is to be responsible for um, delivery. You know, maybe you're just an engineer, but you're responsible. For making sure that you don't erase the multi-track, and and uh, here's how you fix it when you do. And that's uh, that's been that's been uh, I've been the guy that can fix shit for a long time.
1: But uh, have I, you, ever, uh, you you ever had to do some explaining to the producer or the band leader, or singer, to say, you know what?
0: All the time. And yeah. and what I teach is, you got to tell the truth. Every word you say has to tell the truth. It's not somebody else did it, or the dog ate my uh, hard drive, or it's you have to cop you have to, you have to own it. You have to take responsibility for it. I mean, you have to fix it. You have to have a plan. You have to fix it. Sometimes something better comes out of it.
1: George, do you think we'll ever see a band again in the mo- mode or uh- mold, I should say, of like an earth, wind, and fire, or even Little Feet, um, these kinds of groups?
0: Um, I think we have to hope for ensemble performances to happen again. We We have to hope for that, because there's a strength and an integrity and a detail, a rich detail in that kind of performance that we stopped appreciating with mp3s because mp3s couldn't hold that much resolution mp3s were the the, one of the worst if not the worst thing to happen to recorded music and uh, so we're just coming back and there are services like jay-z's title i don't know whether you uh, subscribe to title but title title masters using mqa which are these great little uh processing blocks to vastly improve 4824 digital, vastly improve it. Uh, Tidal does MQA, so if you got an MQA dongle, you'll hear some stuff on Tidal that will introduce you to what it sounded like to us in the 70s and 80s, off analog.
1: I think I'm one of the only people that invested in Neil Young's project a few years ago.
0: Well, I had a Pono and I liked him. I know Neil pretty well, and still talk to Neil. Uh, he still wants me to give him my, my old uh, Tanoe SGMs. And I'm not going to give him my old Tanoe SGMs. Um, but uh, the latest thing with Neil is he's going to do an immersive mix. And that's Nico Bolas. So I'm here to help Nico Bolas any way I can. Uh, but the Pono almost worked. You know where the Pono failed?
1: In the support store,
0: marketing is he couldn't. You know he thought he'd go on uh, talk shows and talk about the Pono and that it would magically sell. It's not the way it works. He told uh, he had a meeting with the head of Harman, who's another great guy, and um, Dinesh and told him um, that he'd like for Harmon to productize the Pono and was told that, and we may have to delete this, but was told that um, he'd have to change the name of the Pono because it was too close to porn and Mm. people wouldn't understand it, and it ended there. I mean, he had Harmon ready to do the Pono—they had to get rid of that weird triangular shape with the big capacitors. That big capacitor had to go, and it could have gone easily. But no, so the latest thing is—I
1: actually this. have one here, George. For people who aren't familiar, here's—I've
0: here's got one. the beta clear version, but here's here's what's taking its place. Is this is an MQA dongle? And it's an ESS chip. By the way, digital has has actually gotten a lot better. This is a Zorlu MQA dongle. USB-C, 3.5-inch. Into headphones. This could change your life. Hearing Tidal Masters played through this on your headphones, those Sonys you've got. I've got that headphone. I know what they do. It's not my favorite headphone. I like these, the Etymotic Research. And I mix on these. And I've taken these all over the world. You'll s- you notice they're falling apart. So this is where I show up in Europe, and I can what, mix what on What manufacturer these. is that one? These are Audis, A-U-D-E-Z-E. They're very expensive. But they're really good. And I can mix on them especially if I'm listening to MQA. So you'll look up MQA and maybe you'll invest in title because as a music fan, being able to go back to at least 4824 non-MQA streaming will change your life, at least 4824, if not MQA. So MQA has the ability of taking one of my favorite records, Court and Spark, Joni Mitchell's Court and Spark, an all analog, uh, Hank, Hank Louie recording, Henry Louie recording. And uh, it's analog and sampled it at 192 and did some correction and deliver it via 4824, deliver it. And it's an existence defining experience, listening to great records, jazz and otherwise, classical and otherwise of that era on mqa
1: yeah i'm going to check that out you know um like i mentioned earlier george i grew up with my uh, grandfather being an audiophile and would go over his house in hollywood california he always had all the latest uh, you know the uh, Macintosh equipment and the denon and all the high-end stuff incredible systems that i would bring all of those records from the 70s to his house to listen to for real Who, uh, who might be on your dream list to work with that you haven't had a chance to
0: actually I'm more interested in working with new talent. We did a thing, a memorial service the other day for one of our donors, and had a great opera soprano, Rose, singing uh, Sati's uh, Lakhne, the duet from Sati's Lakhne. And I really want to work with her. I I want to work with kids. I want to teach kids. I want to work with new artists. I don't I don't think there's anybody else that I really have to work with, you know. I'm Is there
1: anyone with, that you kind of wish you would have had a chance to work with back in the day? I wish
0: I'd had a chance to work with Richard T. And we came very close to be able to hire Richard T. Um And we missed it.
1: What was it like I uh didn't mention Herbie Hancock. He's one of my favorites. Oh Herbie
0: was great. I did I did what's arguably Herbie's worst record. Light me up. Disc disc, would light me up. (laughs) Um and we had a good time doing it. Herbie's just great. And I'll still run into Herbie. We still chat. Uh but Light Me Up was a struggle. Herbie wanted to do a disco record and to sing it. And so we were confronted with having to do all this vocoder stuff, and it was it was a struggle. Uh, but I liked working with Herbie. I liked working with Rod Temperton, but we just, it was a struggle. I love Herbie.
1: Well, as, as that goes, though, there were some decent songs in there, thanks to Rod Temperton, but, yeah, you know, I'm not sure it was the right vehicle.
0: I don't think it really connected. I don't think anybody was happy with it.
1: Um, And Stanley Clark as well.
0: What did I do with Stanley Clark? I I think I just mixed something that he was on. I met him, but I wasn't in the studio with him.
1: And Weather Report?
0: Stanley Clark wasn't with Weather Report.
1: No, I know, but you have a Weather Report credit I had seen?
0: I have a couple Weather Report credits. Yeah, yeah. Jocko, Alex Acuna, and Domel Romeo. And uh, I did two records. I did Night Crossing. And I did that record we did at the complex. Uh, eight Is it 830? And uh, Joe is a whole chapter in a book. He's he's a madman.
1: Give, give us I, a give us a I, taste of, of how uh, is he?
0: Well, okay, one. So we had done this uh, record at the complex and very first ATR 124. And the speed servo failed, and I had luckily printed a empty track. And we're listening back to Friday night, and, uh, and uh, Joe is uh, bopping along, and he goes, the pitch, the pitch is changing, and the machine is speeding up, or the playback is speeding up. And what's happened is in the recording, it slowed down uh and and I had to recover a performance a live performance by building a synchronizer that would take the sim bitstream resolve it and drive the ATR 124 capstan to recover this this weather report uh, master which I did so eventually we go to mixing it and uh, this one thing that I mixed. Um, I get the thing set up, the guys are listening to it, and Joe starts saying, Well, where's the Oberheim? You know, and go over to the Oberheim and turns, cranks it way the fuck up. And then Jocko's on the other side, and, you know, then so he's cranking the bass up. So I go over to Joe, and I said, No, no, that's too far. I turn it down, and Joe is hitting me. And and meanwhile, over here, Jocko is turning the bass up. So I go over here, turn this down. No sooner do I get over here to turn this down than the Joe is turning the synths up again. And uh, and hitting me when I try to fix it, um, and eventually the, eventually it was a mix. But um, Jocko used to come over late at night after sessions. We used to hang and do drugs, and he was he was uh, lucid back then, and did a couple of my favorite shows ever, like a weather report on midnight special, or uh, one of those late night network shows, uh, Little Feet, Bonnie Raitt, and weather report. Wow. It was a YouTube show with three of them. And standing at the edge of the stage and watching Jocko tear through Teen Town. I mean, tear through it. You know, that, I mean, it, it it's around and I think it still gets views, but that's, he was an amazing player. And nobody felt oh, further or harder than Jocko. But boy, he was great.
1: Hmm. Never was got great. to see him live myself. Great um so you're passing along your knowledge to young people which i'm sure you find fulfilling and it's fantastic um do you have any like a couple of quick tips for somebody who's maybe a young person who's looking into getting into this field
0: the usual old shit about critical listening that you, you have to really pay attention listening is everything you have to really learn how to be patient uh zen-like listener you just have to let go of your immediate response like uh here's some I, i could fix that snare drum you have to let go of everything and just listen to music you can deconstruct it if you want to work with it you can deconstruct it but you can't decide how it should be put back together you just need to identify what is in music in a performance in a arrangement in a symphony you need to one we all need to be kinder and gentler to ourselves in in
1: listening And is there one piece of work that you're the most proud of?
0: My best piece of work. Well, you know what anybody's going to say is that my son turned out all right, uh, and that I was an, I was an, I was a present as a dad. That uh, I walked out of some fantastic opportunities in Los Angeles to join my nutty ex-wife who had. my my son, and to kind of come back to Franklin, Tennessee and to help bring him up. And it was at a time where Nashville had no use for me whatsoever. So I I did a couple records here. I did a good Emmylou Harris record and then did a bunch of other records but none of them really sounded like Nashville. And I was already known as a guy that hated Nashville music. I hate this 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 tweeze together Nashville writing. It's not like the Nashville songs that I grew up with, and so I can, I'd have trouble answering that that question. I think uh, what I'm known for is is designing gear, so I'm still designing gear, and my best work is the next thing, whatever's the next thing. I'm yeah. Still doing it.
1: has the pandemic slowed you down much or?
0: Well, I just uh, (laughs) learned how to teach differently. We all learned how to teach on Zoom. And I got a much better camera and um, and have learned how to. I did a a South American AES conference keynote for a South American AES conference last August. And so not only did the pandemic slow us down, but I did it out of my cabin in Cape Breton with a hurricane coming through. So we're on a satellite. So I have a generator and a a UPS, and I delivered the keynote address with active content by satellite on a generator with a hurricane passing overhead and no power. Hmm. Um, So little things like that, I'm, I'm pretty proud of pulling that off. Yeah. <laughs> know, doesn't sound like a big deal.
1: No, it That's is. It's, cr- it's crazy what we've all navigated through these past 18 months.
0: Well, and, and you just pick yourself up and the, the thing I will tell students is you're gonna have to take advantage of the special time in your life. Whereas a student, you can fail. I can't fail as much as I'd like to say I can. You can fail and fix it or pick yourself up and move ahead all of my all of my best work has been after many failures the design of the parametric eq is after many failures and struggles and i've got a dynamics unit coming out for your for uh, a, a great dynamics plugin for vocals that i've been working on for 26 years so we'll see how that does um but I'm never, I'm never really, never really satisfied. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna try something else and I'm gonna fail. But that's what I have to tell students is, we start a production, something goes wrong, something always goes wrong in video production. Always, count on it. Something will go dramatically wrong. We had one show, uh, Volpone, I think an opera, and uh, 20 minutes before the show, A puff of smoke comes out of our switcher and the switcher is blown up and I have to figure out how to do a three camera shoot with a production computer and we pulled it off. But um, failures handle how to handle failures is what I'm here to teach.
1: Hmm. Is there anything that uh, you'd like to plug or share before we uh, wind this up?
0: Not a thing. You've been very kind, and your questions have been great and well prepared. I really do appreciate that. Thanks. And you—you you obviously have heard some of the uh, some of the stuff I'm talking about. I would I would point you to listening to um, Jennifer Warren's famous blue raincoat, at least a bird on a wire, and that was that was done a long time ago. I mean, that was done. I mean, the Little Feet stuff, Long Distance Love and that stuff off the last record album. And it's like 50 years ago. And it's still pretty fucking good. So yeah, treat yourself. Go back and listen to some of the old shit.
1: Oh, Thank yeah. You. Fantastic. Thank you, George. Take good care. Sorry.
0: Sorry it took so long, Scott. I look forward to talking to you again.
1: Likewise. Take care.
0: Cool, man. You too.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the FunkinStuff stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, RB and Jazz lovers. Joining Truth and Rhythms membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at FunkinStuff.net, buying everything is on the one, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at FunkinStuff.net, and linking through FunkinStuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition. and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Find saying, keep, on, keep vibe on vibing to the rhythm of the one.